Here on Marvel vs. Marvel, Quantumania is running wild, baby, as I'm sure Hulk Hogan would probably want to say, uh, which brings Kang into cinemas for the very first time, this seminal, important figure in uh, the Marvel Universe and Avengers history. And as as all evidence points to, Will, and as everyone keeps telling us and tweeting about and writing things, this is going to be perhaps the next Thanos-level character and villain in the mcu we certainly know that avengers uh, in the avengers movie in 2024 will be avengers kang dynasty so we have to deal with this guy we have to look into this character mm. and of course our first episode will we dive into all that behind the scenes of the uh, avengers earth's mightiest heroes which is the best way for us to take a look at kang um the absolute best way for us to uh, have a little dive into some of the biggest stories and some of the history of the character. Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes, tremendous, amazing cartoon series. Oh, series. so good. Um, and that's what we're using. We've uh, set the table. We've um, listened to some people that matter, and we've we've really gone in on uh, the context of when this came out and what was going on uh, in the Marvel comics and the, the movie world. And we've also looked at the very first episode. Um, which was uh, The Man Who Stole Tomorrow. Um, and uh, we're going to get ready now to uh, to finish off this trilogy and finish off this story, which the final episode is called Kang Dynasty. Yes. So there's an awful lot for us to gleam and learn from this and, and think about what's coming up uh, in that massive Avengers movie in a couple of years' time. Before we go any further, though, we got to give some shout-outs, Will, right? Yeah. The people that dig deep. The people that dig deepest. You can dig deep. You can dig deeper. You can't dig deepest unless you're on this list. I'm talking about Peter J, Brandon Schmigilski, Randall Schmidt, Zach Thomas, Bastabeer, Sam, Bindi, and Soupy. Our top supporters for Marvel versus Marvel over on Patreon. Um, those people make all of this possible, and we want to make sure we're paying them the respect that they deserve. Pain in the dues. Um, I, I, is there anything else to add before we uh, before we carry on, Will, with the the second episode of this massive Kang trilogy? As we, you've just learned about Kang's history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he's uh, tiny, whiny, twisty, tiny, whiny, twisty, and de- descendant of Reed Richards, and he's a living retcon. <laughs> no, <laughs> no other, no other character we've looked at has been like this. Um, it's fascinating. There's more to get into. There's so much to come in this one. So without further ado, I think I'll hand it over back to Will for that second episode. Okay, next episode. Come the Conqueror. In New York City, large spaceships appear above Manhattan and start bombarding pods in the streets below, causing widespread destruction. From the rubble, the pods release Kang's army of scarab robots. On board the Damocles, Kang's subordinate declares to his conqueror that the battle for the 21st century has begun. Can you do that, like, melodramatic kind of, uh, like, melodramatic kind of almost Star Wars kind of, uh, like, from the, the, the battle for the 21st century has begun. Like, I, like, I'm Kang and you're reporting to me and I want to hear this, I want you to hear the dramatic. For God's sake, I'm not your yeah. court jester. <laughs> 
Kang's subordinate declares to his conqueror that the battle for the 21st century has begun. One more time, but I want to. I want a dramatic pause after cent- 21st century. The battle for the 21st century has begun. That's exactly what I was after. <laughs> I'm not here for. I'm not here for anybody's <laughs> entertainment, Rob. That's just. <laughs> In the streets of Manhattan, the army is useless against Kang's robots, but the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier joins the fight. However, even the might of Nick Fury's airship isn't enough. They will need the Avengers. So, great start to the second episode, or as I like to call it, the act of this trilogy. Straight into a bloody war. They do a quite. They do. I mean, we saw in the very first, the first time we looked at Earth's Mightiest Heroes, they do a great job of showing you why the world needs a team of, of super needs the Avengers. Yep. Like without them, everything is shot to hell because everything's falling apart. Like there's so many things happening on all these different fronts. Yeah. So I assume this is Kang's army. Is it? Is it like this in the comics? Is it made up of robot scarabs or actual people? Yeah, the robot scarabs feel almost. You you had that interview with Christopher Jost, who was talking about um, needing to think about the budget. Yeah. And I wonder if um, metal scarab robots are a bit cheaper to animate than like lots of people. <laughs> I have a feeling they are. They're quicker. They're easier to animate, aren't they? Yeah, they're the, so. sa- they're the same thing over and over again. If you you don't have to like yeah. animate separate looking people, reuse that cell, baby. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think I, I can't I can't recall. I like that it's kind of it, it. So what 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 culture do you think of when you see these scarabs? Oh, I wonder, Rob. I wonder what culture think of, I think of. You think of I, ancient ancient I Egypt, think of right? Ancient Egypt, of course I do. This even is, though they're not, even though they're not mentioning Pharaoh uh, Ramatut, there's this nod to it, which I think was really cool. Yeah, but it has that kind of Stargate vibe where you have like ancient Egypt mm, with alien so. stuff, yeah. and I'm thinking that's my mind goes like, oh yeah, Scarab, ancient Egypt. Yep, yeah, got it. So um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't recall any kind of Scarab robots in the comics. Kang, um, he's described as, as being this, 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 this brilliant kind of general this brilliant mm. leader um and he has apparently he has huge amounts of charisma uh because he's able to with he's got he's got the, the powerful technology but he raises his his he conquers the he conquers the earth within weeks of um building his first armor and and and, and kind of crash landing in the 41st century like he raises this army very very mm. quickly of all these war-torn people um and he's we're told he's conquered everything within 100 light years from the you know around the earth totaling a thousand thousand worlds um and so his army is made up a thousand 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 worlds and so his army is made up of like the Shi'ire from the Shi'ire Empire, yeah. and the Badoon, the Badoon, and and yeah, it, it's 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 a com- you generally when you see his armies, they are they are made up of all the different worlds that he's conquered. Um, so it's it's it's, it's kind of biological armies. Um, he's he's a he's a master of of, of robotics. He, he I, I don't think he needs to build them anymore himself. He has other people to do it for him. Um, but I'm sure he has you know advanced robots to do battle. Um, we looked. <laughs> we looked at the first time um, Spider-Man met the Avengers. Yeah, 
and we discovered that that I forget what episode that would have been in. Perhaps it was. Um, perhaps it was. Uh, gosh, what would that? What episode would that have been in? Home, not homecoming. Oh, that would have been in Civil War. Maybe it was. Yeah. Yeah, Civil War. Maybe it was. I think we did it more recently than that for some reason, but I can't think why. Um, and he, he did it one time uh, because he wanted to kill the Avengers. He mm. built a robotic clone of Spider-Man uh, to trick the Avengers into luring them to a pyramid that was, for some reason, in the middle of New York. Um, and the robot Spider-Man beat up Thor, which was really weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he, he, he's got, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a robotic dude, but he normally has people do his slave work for him. That makes sense. And yes, it would be cheaper to just animate robots on a cartoon budget anyway. Down on the streets, two kids are saved from a scarab by Cap as the other Avengers assemble. Using their abilities, they're able to take down the scarabs one at a time, only for Kang to launch a second wave of robots. As the Avengers fight the second wave, they are overwhelmed and all seems lost. But Iron Man swoops in to help the helicarrier, Scanning the Scarab robots, Stark is shocked when he recognises the tech. The next second, a large hologram of Kang's head appears before Iron Man and Thor, telling them that he will save this world and under his rule, Earth will be strong. He also knows the strength and weaknesses of the 21st century defences through the benefit of hindsight. At that moment, the destroyer Scarab robots begin self-repairing until they are all back to full strength again. Thor boasting in the middle of a very concerning battle that he intends to smash more robots than Hulk, as if it's a game, was a great touch. It, yeah, it felt like a Lord of the Rings moment to me. Gimli and the, Gimli uh, and, uh, uh, Legolas. the other one. Legolas. The, sec- the sexy elf and the, the sexy, sexy dwarf. I remember that, li- was it? that, that line got brought up to me. He goes, ah... So, so fighting side by side with an elf and he's like how about fighting side by side with a friend I I could do that do you, do you remember yeah. that line it was such a sort sweet of yeah it was a yeah. sweet moment I always remember that but you're right they have the um, competition yeah they have the competition going on even though it's battle for the fates of the world yeah you need a bit of levity yeah, and you- it's, that, it's, it's camarad- camaraderie in, 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 uh, in bloodshed you know yeah I like it it's a, it's a very very nice touch so, in the Marvel comics, uh, Kang, he wants to conquer the world in order to save it, right? Or is he just a cackling madman? A little from column A, a little from <laughs> column B. Um, because he, he, sometimes it seems like, because he does, he drops in, and especially in modern stories, he drops in and is like, Hi Kang, it's me, Kang, I'm from the future, I'm going to help you save the world from that giant dragon. Um, <laughs> But he's only doing it because it threatens his empire in the future. It threatens to destabilize the timeline so he wakes up in a world where he's not Kang the Conqueror anymore and he's lost his empire. So mm. is that wanting is it wanting to save the world to help people? I, it, it, there's no way it feels like that. Um, it's to, so that you don't mess with what he's got, which is the whole world and everything else and this a thousand thousand worlds thousand thousand um and also like so yeah he is an odd like because you could look at genghis khan and julius caesar were blood-soaked people yeah um but they were very effective rulers and people people they didn't kill loved them 
are they you know is it cackling madman is there he's an he's an odd dude kang so his initial motivation is boredom and a lust for violence and greed right he's just bored and he wants to like kill people and have stuff and you can't do that in the 31st century because Reed Richards' dad built a perfect society, and that isn't talked about enough. <laughs> we just skip over that to yeah. where Kang's like, I'm going to build a time-traveling sphinx and go stab people in the past. <laughs> and he's got this super inflated idea of himself. Like, he's weirdly proud of being able to beat up cavemen using spaceships and ray guns. He's like, <laughs> I am a brave and brilliant warlord. Watch me as I punch a baby in the back of the head. I am like, playing, what are you doing? I am playing Age of Empires on easy with cheats on. <laughs> it just, he, he, he keeps doing it and keeps going because it's very, very easy for him. Um, and yeah, he's, you know, he's, 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 you know, he's a brilliant technician and he's super smart and he's got all this stuff, but he's, he's also, I don't know, like I could do what he did. <laughs> like it, anyone could do what he did. It does seem unfair. He, does, he doesn't seem like an Alexander the Great, more like an Alexander but the Mayor. But he thinks he is. He does yeah. also have this kind of weird code of honor sometimes when it comes to like battle and combat and stuff but i don't know um some of these elements will invariably lead people on uh reddit and twitter to go he's not even really a villain because <laughs> oh no because that's what people do these days and they're wrong he murders <laughs> he murders legions and legions of people he's probably the most blood-soaked person we've i mean uh, there's thanos but you can't but that even that i mean come on that's, like, that's not really a thing, though. That's more like... It's, it's an ast- there's an asterisk next to that. It's magic did this. Magic like, did it. Kang is like, I want you to send my troops in and murder all of those people. Do it now. I'm watching. <laughs> that's different from going... <laughs> mm. So, I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's, his motivations are entirely selfish. Entirely. Okay, jeez. Yeah. So we're not going to have a thing in the MCU film where we're going to be like, mm, I kind of agree with him. Mm. Yeah, we probably are. Because they do it for every villain now. Every villain they do it for. Every villain. Oh, Wanda's Ooh. so misunderstood. Is she? She killed a bunch of people because yeah. she got sad. <laughs> I think Pace Pot Pete has some very good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Nick Fury communicates with the group and tells them that this same attack is happening all across the world. Kang is taking over the entire planet. From Egypt to London to Wakanda, Kang scarabs attack every major city on Earth without mercy. Kang's very affordable to replicate scarabs are <laughs> all over the world. <laughs> or like Being super, it's like when they take away all of the expensive um, staff members that run tills in shops and supermarkets <laughs> and replace them with very cheap bit scarabs that can be overseen by one or two supervisors. This whole war is being supervised by five members of staff. I, and they're I, all agency. <laughs> Give give it give it time. That's how warfare will be at some point. But uh, all I think is when he's going, release the second wave of scarabs. One of his men is just pressing Control C, Control V loads of times. Fury tells the Avengers that no weapon is making a dent, and some cities have already fallen. Stark tells the group about a backdoor in Kang's tech that he can exploit. 
Noticing Black Panther looking at Wakanda being attacked in sorrow, Cap relieves T'Challa to be with his people. Going over Stark's plan to exploit Kang's technology, Cap tells Iron Man that the Avengers will buy Tony as much time as he needs. Back in the fight, the Wasp continues fighting the Scarabs as they attack the Brooklyn Bridge. Hulk and Hawkeye join the fray and help take out Scarab after Scarab as the bridge evacuates. However, they look on in shock as a group of Scarabs combine into one large robot which blasts Hulk with a single massive heat ray. Picking himself up, the Hulk fights back with Hawkeye, Giant Man, Cap and Thor. With their combined strength, they take down the combined Scarab robot. So... Has Kang ever launched a, a uh, an attack like this on the world, all the major cities, all at once? He um in in his first appearance when he first shows up, he beats the Avengers and stuff and keeps them captive. He he tells the whole world to surrender or he'll wipe mm. them out. But it's not he's on his own. I don't think he's got there's nobody else with him, and he doesn't launch a huge military campaign like this. No, um, in fact, a lot of Kang stories from that point going going forward are either him showing up to say. Um, let me help you beat mm. beat this thing so we can save reality so I can wake up tomorrow in my palatial bed surrounded by slaves. Um, or he's getting involved in yeah, very specific moments in time. Um, it's like he, he, he does away with the idea of conquering the earth because he's just got so much going on. Alternate versions of himself keep showing up. He's got a wife in a coma, an empire that needs... Uh, you know, tending to and keeps almost ending because of something else the bloody Avengers are doing thousands of years ago. Um, but it's in the Kang Dynasty story that he finally decides on an all-out assault against the Earth of the 21st century. That story begins with Kang blowing up the United Nations building Ooh. while it's in full session. Oh, God. And and then, instead of raising an army to fight against the world, he's like, because he's a brilliant strategist, he's like, no, that gives the world something to unite against. That will bring all nations together. No. Kang says, just to let you know, anyone who conquers a land in my name will have an esteemed place in my new world order. What a, what a trick. Which drives rifts between all the countries of the world. <laughs> because now France is looking at Germany going, well, I, I don't want to be nobody in the world. I could If I conquer Germany and give it to Kang, and it brings the Atlanteans out of the sea to go, sounds cool, we hate you earth breathers anyway. And the deviants, <laughs> uh, the, the deviants who have lived under the thumb of the Eternals for a long time. Uh, so he just... He puts everything together. It's a very cool way. It's a very cool event. Yeah. And we are covering it in depth this month on patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. We are doing the Kang Dynasty now. Not in two years when it's in theatres. We're doing it now. I, I like that. We do an episode going, oh, we're delving into this but as part of a, a, a TV show or a film where it gets kind, it gets covered, and then it's like, oh, this story's getting really interesting, and then 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 you said, but don't worry, Will, don't worry, because we're going to make it our bonus episode this time. Right, I love Damn it. Right, you always had a way you, of slipping it in at just the yeah. right at the moment. You really piqued my interest in the storyline. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's uh, stop rubbing my belly. At- <laughs> 
<laughs> does that mean <laughs> making me really happy like Aah! oh okay okay <laughs> like a dog or a... That, Not... that classic phrase we all know when someone's really happy they say hmm rubbing my belly we all know that <laughs> don't we i'm trying to create new terms anyway at his lab stark is struggling to hack into kang's technology cap looks on sadly as the flaming buildings of manhattan and says he needs an army to which wasp tells him she knows where he can find one at the prison station in the negative zone wasp shows the avengers the army of ultron robots hank however is not comfortable with using a potentially dangerous technology for battle but after some after some convincing from cap pym reconfigures the robot army to teach them the concept of violence Meanwhile, this is a cool moment, right? Yeah, it's, that is that is a moment where you're like, uh, uh, I can't see this backfiring. <laughs> Meanwhile, Stark tells the group that he's struggling to find the location of Kang's ship. I love the way they bought the Ultron robots like a Chekhov's gun. They brought them back. It's like, oh, there's an army of robots in here. Oh, okay, fair enough. We oh, need that. <laughs> he goes, that might get used later in, but we don't. We're not going to say when. <laughs> So uh, Chekhov, Chekhov actually wrote a play where there are two uh, rifles uh, in, in, like on stage and they're never mentioned or used. <laughs> what, just because everyone went, oh, that's a Chekhov thing, that, that no, pistol's going to be no, used? No, 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 he just, it, it, they were meant to symbolise something, but, but it went directly against his whole principle of uh, use everything you introduce or don't introduce it. Um, anyway, and which Hemingway laughed at this dude. Yeah. Hemingway loved introducing inconsequential characters. Here come a couple <laughs> of dudes. We're going to have fun talking and learning about them, and then they're just going to leave and play no further part in the rest of this story. Because I can do what I want. I'm Hemingway. I'll shoot you and kill a bull. <laughs> so, in the comic books, did the Avengers use any use an army of Ultrons? Is this how they learned the concept of violence? They have to teach it to them. No, no, there's no connection really between Kang and Ultra. Immortus accidentally creates the vision. That's a story for another day. We've done that at some point. Immortus accidentally creates the vision. We have to move on. Um, there's no real connection here. In all other media, right, like Ultron is done in this way, almost like this slow build where you see some form of innocent robot or some innocent AI in the background for a bit, and then there's a moment in the return we get, and we get, you know, Ultron. It's not like that in the comics. There's no, there's no like, edging towards it. It's just one day, one of the writers went, let's have an evil robot. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there's no real learning of violence moments. Mm. Ultron is full-on mad, the first time we meet, follow Mad Robot, <laughs> and it, and if you want an explanation for why, um, he he he's like lost it and is evil. Um, it's all Freudian, baby. Uh, it's full Oedipal. He, it, it, you know, whoever created who, if whoever created his life is his parent, his father, right? Mm. So he hates Hank Pym, his creator, hates him, irrational hatred for Hank Pym, mm. wants to kill him and destroy him. But at the same time, has this fawning um, obsession and interest with Hank Pym's girlfriend, Janet Van Dyne, who he creepily refers to as his mother. <laughs> um, and he kind of hates her, but also 
has um and i mean it's not it's a comic book so they don't go into anything sexual but he has an interest in her Ooh. he has an obsession with her um and you, you know you can um you can look at it as the reason why is being like that robots should never have human emotions that's just not a thing that should happen it's no. it's it's a twisted and monstrous thing to do and so it produces <laughs> something that is an abomination against god nature and darwin and so it just it it, it ultron as a as a thing cannot cope with suddenly having a switch flicked that gives it emotions like it just, it just, it's not, it's not a thing it should have, and so it becomes sick and, you know, demented. Oh, that reminds me, was it they, they were trying to uh, teach uh, an artificial intelligence or a robot about about everything, and then it became a big, massive, psychotic racist or something like that. I can't remember. Has this happened recently in the last five years? Uh, I remember they fed. They didn't try and teach you things. They fed it, it like fed, they fed it. Every everything that was being said on Twitter and on in the t- news. Yeah. And what it what, what it all it exposed was that our social media and our traditional media is skewed towards reporting um, fringe, um, hateful and and dark elements rather than proper stuff. There we go. That's all it was. It was. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't learn anything. It didn't. You know, become racist. It just fed back what it had been fed into it. That's that's an interesting little. Uh, it's almost like an automatic echo chamber device, where it tells you. It's some degree. Everything's an echo chamber. Um, you either become against something because because of you've been fed it, or you become part of it. That's that's just everything. That's very. You're very wise. It's correct. <laughs> it's correct. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. So, <laughs> at the docks of Manhattan, Thor and Hulk struggle against Scarab robots, but at the last minute, a wave of Ultron robots fly in and start taking out the Scarabs with the Avengers joining behind them. While they fight below, Hank Pym and the Wasp fly in a Quinjet towards a spaceship hovering over Manhattan. As they approach, the spaceship opens fire and rips the jet in half, but not before the Wasp carries Hank out and continues flying towards the spaceship before entering. I've just remembered an addendum to my last answer that using an army of Ultrons like this does happen in the Ultimate Universe. There we go. The Ultimates do it for crowd control. That's the Ultimates, the ultimate version of the Avengers and its other worlds. Um, and it's meant to be much kind of grittier and more like real life. And yeah, they, they, are, they are fighting against a bunch of bad, uh, against like terrorists, superpowered terrorists. And yeah, they use Hank Pym's Ultrons as... Um, as uh, crowd control robots, not as necessarily as an army. Yeah. And there's just one scene where Quicksilver is walking past them and says to his sister, Wanda, were you flirting with that robot? <laughs> and that's all is said about it. Um, just a little bit of Mark Miller writing there. Yes, yeah, sorry. Mark that was Miller addendum. writing. Uh, just reminds me of like, they did that in uh, Age of Ultron, didn't they? They had the um, the Iron Legion or whatever. Tony Stark's automated robots doing crowd control at the be- near the beginning of the film. Right, yeah. right. Also, uh, there was a funny little uh, aside here. Little uh, Hank Pym angry reminds Janet that the Quinjets cost twenty million dollars each. Very nice touch. Although that did. <laughs> 
So I did leap out at me. What have you got for us, Will? You got uh, something really dull, yeah? It's something really dull. $20, $20 million is an insanely cheap price for a top-of-the-range fighter jet. For example, keeping it within the MCU stuff, the F-22 Raptor that chased after Iron Man in the 2008 film costs between... I'm not Feels like I'm doing the box office figures. Cost between two hundred and six and two hundred and sixteen million dollars each. War, yeah, but war is expensive, guys. War is expensive. Not, they're not made out of um, sci-fi materials that are presumably lighter and cheaper, ex- or whatever. I uh, well, and you know, you, you can't. You, they can't cost two hundred million because they keep getting blown up in the Savage Land every other week. Again. <laughs> Eaten by a dinosaur or destroyed by Ultron, you can't. You just can't do it, mate. You've got to make them out of plastic. Oh God, you've got to make them out. You know, you know what we did back in World War Two. We sent our milk bottle tops in for the Spitfires. It'd be like that, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just, I just thought that was a nice little, uh, nice little touch. Inside the spaceship, the Wasp takes out the Captain, allowing Hank to destroy Kang's temporal stasis devices that are allowing the Conqueror to stay in the 21st century. Destroying them should send Kang back to the future. Without any ounce of patience, Janet blasts the control panel, instantly erasing the Scarabs and the spaceship from their timeline before the Wasp carries uh, Hank to safety. Taking cues from Hank, Thor smashes through another spaceship above Manhattan and removes it from the timeline. One by one, the Avengers remove the spaceship from the 21st century until none remain. However, with hundreds of spaceships around the world, the the war isn't over until they can find Kang. Meanwhile, Stark loses his temper, trying to find Kang's location on Earth, but realises he might not be on Earth with the help of Jarvis, Iron Man figures out that Kang is in orbit of the Earth. I love this touch of just removing something from the timeline in a battle. Like, the only time I ever saw that happen in a video game was Command and Conquer Red Alert 2, where you had chrono troops and the, the ability to use a time machine to move people about and erase them from, from existence. It's a very cool detail. Very cool detail. We're sat here learning an awful lot about Kang the Conqueror, travelling through time. Um, We're not going to sell you a mattress. We're not going to bring you an intrusive advert for an erection pill or uh, for uh, some of that uh, stock tip trading malarkey. We're not going to bring you any of that. We are going to talk to you about what needs to be talked about, uh, and that's the ways that you can support this show, support this podcast, support your favourite people, because, look, there's no one out here doing what me and Will do. There's no one out here bringing you these uh, these huge context history ridden podcasts talking uh, four hours on Iron Man we're talking uh, three hours on Venom and Carnage most of what you get you know a BuzzFeed article a 20 minute YouTube video 40 minute podcast right they're not bring that there and they all cannibalize each other they're all mm. like reading things off wikipedia learning things from each other and reporting it as a new episode or as a new bit of we're bringing you actual marvel history proper deep dives yes. pulling apart for the context for the trivia for all of it um and we need your help we need your support on patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel 
Because the only thing that supports this show is the wonderful people out there that listen to it, um, that sign up, that um, that give something back. You can do it for as little as the cost of a cup of coffee, you know, a drink per month. We're talking about three British Brexit pounds. Um, Or you can go up the tiers and do all that. But however you give back to us, you're going to get bonuses. You're going to get rewards. We're not leaving you lying. We not, look, look, you put something in the tip jar, your boys are going to hook you up. Hook you up with obscure Marvel. Tons of fun as me and Will dive into the most ridiculous moments in the history of the Marvel Universe. Everybody gets that. Everybody mm. gets that. Every single person that helps us out gets access to obscure Marvel. There's also some fun mini shows. The Clone, the Clone Wars is a mini show. The Spider-Man Clone episode, you know, saga is a is a mini show. Um, we've got something on the uh, most ridiculous um, mutant powers of all time, the worst X-Men ever. That's all available for just three English pounds. The cup of coffee that you did not have today. Um, put it in our tip jar. Get yourself something really cool for yourself. You can get early access at the higher tiers. You can get access to full-length bonus episodes. And well, when I think of some of the ones that we've done over the years, um, Age of Apocalypse, Onslaught, Secret oh, War, yes, the history of Wolverine, the history of Galactus. Um, Maximum Carnage in the month of January, um, a massive Spider-Man saga from the 90s, where we really pulled that one apart, looking at Iron Fist and Deathlock, looking was, at the, it, the Demo Goblin. God, that was meaty, that one, wasn't it? A lot happened. An awful lot happened. Spider-Man questioning whether he should start killing the bad guys in his life. This month, as we alluded to earlier, we're bringing you the Kang Dynasty. It is the episode that has influenced the MCU already because we know 2025 we're getting Avengers Kang Dynasty. That's the big movie of that year. So and that is going to be taking we imagine from this uh, this this legendary Kang story, Kang Dynasty. We're not waiting to 2025 to bring it to you. We're going to bring it to you this month. Everybody on Patreon is coming with us on this deep dive. Into Kang Dynasty. Kang takes on the Avengers and the entire world, the biggest, baddest Kang storyline of all time. Um, and we are uh, we're gonna blast into that one this month, February, on patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. Um guys, if you uh, sign up now, you can get access to over 30 full-length bonus episodes. You can get early Ooh. access to every single new episode of this show. You get access to 28 mini-episodes as well. There's so much as a reward if you do the right thing, reach into your pocket, give back to the people that bring you so much fun, so much entertainment on patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel. And don't miss your chance to see the podcast live 25th of March this year at the Arena Theatre in Wolverhampton. Will, you're ready, aren't you? Oh, I'm so ready. It's going to be an incredible time. Um, last year it was so good. We won a prestigious comedy festival award. We're doing it all over again uh, in Wolverhampton in the West Midlands. We're going to dive into what if 
the Marvel Multiverse, Captain Britain, and Agent Carter. A link for the tickets can be found in the show notes to this episode. Expand those notes, grab that URL, um, and uh, get yourself some... uh, some very, very, very cheap tickets to come and see us live. You can also uh, access it via the pinned tweet on our Twitter page, which is at Marvel Versus. Um, we're keeping the ticket prices nice and low at just £5 to come and see us live. Um, and you get a chance to come and meet us. We're going to be hanging out with everybody um, after the show, maybe a little bit before the show, depending on how it goes. It's an afternoon show at 3pm. Uh, we're going to have plenty of time to, uh, to, to to meet you guys, to chat, to hang out, and all that kind of cool stuff. Um, so you want to be... Uh, Thinking about the Arena Theatre, Wolverhampton, the 25th of March. Get your tickets from at Marvel Versus on Twitter or check the show notes for this episode here. And we want to see you in the 25th of March. This is the episode then, Will. This is the episode that is named the Kang Dynasty, the final of the Kang Trilogy. Which means uh, we're assuming it takes uh, a lot of its inspiration or some of its notes from that seminal um, story, that Kerpesiak story that we're looking at this month on Patreon. And who knows how much of it is going to play into that movie coming in a couple of years' time. So why don't you take it away? The Kang Dynasty. As the battle for Earth rages on, Nick Fury tells Iron Man that the Avengers are out of time. Kang's forces have taken over three quarters of the planet. Not only that, but Kang's ship is readying itself to fire at Earth with awesome power. Back at the Avengers mansion, the team suits up to head into space. Just as the Quinjet takes off, Kang prepares to fire on the Avengers mansion. Again, another great start to an episode. But also... These suits, I thought, looked a lot like what the Avengers wore in Endgame. I thought, didn't that, they? Yeah, yeah. I noticed this right away, and I thought if that was a coincidence. I looked into it. Uh, Christopher Yost, uh, when when Endgame came out, he, uh, when it, when they were showing the trailers with the suits, Christopher Yost tweeted the image from the cartoon. So it looked like it was intended. I oh wow! Yeah, he. he so uh, I guess yeah, someone involved. Yeah. Must have uh, been a fan of this of this amazing cartoon series. I mean, obviously, it doesn't come from the comics. Those suits, then the black and the, sorry, the red and white suits. No, don't don't ring any bells with me. No, I mean, wow. in general, in general, the the Avengers stay in like they stay in their their costume. They, they don't really. They wouldn't need to put on suits like a, a space suit to go into space. Very rare that would happen. Oh, absolutely. Um, the t- technology in the in the Marvel comic universe is so advanced, there'd be force fields and there'd be, there'd be this, yeah. that, the other. Um, but no, you'll see Thor just flying around space wearing nothing. Iron Man doesn't need to put anything on. All of that stuff. Oh, wow. So Kang has qu- conquered uh, three quarters of the planet here, adding to his list of a thousand thousand worlds. Is this something he's ever done in the original comics? Well, I mean, yeah, in various different eras of, of the future, Gang has Kang has the, the the Earth plus his Galactic Empire. Um, but in in not no not until this Kang Dynasty story that this episode kind of I don't know has some connection to, um, because in the Kang Dynasty story, Kang fully and completely conquers the entire planet. Um, mm. He has just overwhelming military might, and he forces every country to surrender to him. He even forces the Avengers 
to make a humiliating surrender to him as he just takes over everything. It's a massive story. Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. We're getting into it, baby. Yeah. Can't wait. Flying out of the Earth's atmosphere, the Avengers dodged the Democles' energy beam aimed at the, the Avengers' mansion. However, they realise a beam that powerful wouldn't just destroy their home, but the entire city with it. Thor doesn't waste any time and flies out of the Quinjet and towards Democles. Charging up his hammer, Thor flies straight into the ship's beam, absorbing it and sending it back to Kang's ship before falling back to Earth unconscious. The Avengers realise that they can't go back for Thor as this was his way of buying the team a chance to take out Kang. Great moment. Only four minutes into this episode. That's a great Here we go. We're doing it play by play, baby. Four minutes in. Speed is what Will's pleased about. Efficiency. Efficient efficient storytelling (laughs) is what I love. So Kang nearly destroys New York with a single blast here. Just how powerful is he in the Marvel comics? In his, in his first appearance, he brags about being able to blow up the moon, um, which I always think is just a hilarious threat. It would achieve nothing. It would, uh, it would, it would be the, one of the worst things you could do for yeah. the Earth. Um, in, uh, he, he's killed multiple versions of himself from other points in time and other, on other dimensions, uh, timelines, I should say. Mm. Um, in one timeline, Ultron masters time travel as well as Kang. And the two of them do this kind of time battle, this constant back and forth to kill each other. And each time they are about to lose and die, they will travel back in time slightly earlier and start the battle anew. And this repeated, repeated abuse and the power of their of their of their battle um collapses the space-time continuum of that timeline and destroys the reality. Mm. Um, that's uh, not cool. Um, it, it, a future version of Kang. This might be the. This is probably the most powerful. Um, and the worst thing he's ever done. A future version of Kang, uh, once built like an entire empire at the heart of the multiverse called Chronopolis. It was like this intersection of all timelines and all ti- and all errors as well. They all came into this this one place. It was a glistening endless golden city um where where, where all his his denizens his citizens lived um it was his greatest achievement and it allowed him to travel to every point in time and every universe in the multiverse as easy as opening a door and stepping into another room um but he got bored (laughs) because there was nothing left to do so he destroyed it he killed everyone who lived in chronopolis and (laughs) he nearly killed the entire multiverse by doing so he just when he gets bored he also uh he also blow blew up all of washington dc destroyed washington dc with a beam very much like this yeah bloody hell that's too much i don't want to hear any of this he's kind of a misunderstood good guy it's kind of, yeah. <laughs> then again, they said it for Thanos. They said it for Thanos. These losers, these weirdos, these schmucks. God. Oh no! He I'm had not, a good I'm, reason I'm, I'm, to I'm, kill I'm, half I'm, the population I'm, of the. I won't say anything of what they're probably other stuff they might be into. Anyway, I'll move away from that. As Thor plummets, he is caught by two Ultron robots. According to their readings, the Thunder God is now in a coma. 
On board Themocles, Kang is angered to learn that Thor's actions have damaged their main weapons. The Conqueror sends out a wave of scarabs against the Avengers Quinjet. Hawkeye mans the Quinjet's weapons and fights back while the Ultron robots assist. However, the scarabs take down all but two Ultrons, leaving the Avengers in a desperate situation. Iron Man and the Wasp team up and take out as many scarabs as they can to assist the Quinjet. With the forces destroyed, the Avengers burst into the Democles airlock, but Iron Man and the Wasp are trapped outside when a force field shields the breach. This is really starting to feel like the third act of a great action-packed adventure now, isn't it? Well, I mean, it, I, yeah, yes. in that it is the third act of an action-packed adventure. But it's, get, it's getting towards, hey, we, we, we're breaking into the enemy base now, we, we, we're, we're going we're to the final there. boss. Yeah, I so, yeah. Come on. The final boss. Here final we go. Jeez, boss. Louise. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> so when did, when did the Avengers first have a big space battle like this? Was it against Kang? No, uh, me and you have looked at it um, in our bonus bonus episode um, on the Kree Scroll War. Ah, almost um, connected. Now this is alluded to by Kang in this episode. He says the Kree Scroll War is coming and it will, you know, destroy the Earth. Mm. Um. We looked at the Kree Scroll War. Do you remember this uh, this bonus episode? I do. Um, it was a um, a, a really long mammoth kind of event that involved um, the Earth gets wrapped up in this ongoing galactic kind of. It's been, the, the the Krees and the Scrolls have been at war for aeons, um, and it heats up and cools down uh, at various different times depending on who's leading each different kind of each world. You know which world leaders, whether they're bloodthirsty or not. It seems like there's no end in sight of it. Um, and the Earth gets wrapped up in it because there's a, this odd bunch of different kind of um, Kree and Skrull guys on, on, on the Earth acting out. Um, the, one of the first things that happens is that the, uh, the Avengers um, get disbanded um, at the same time that there is a, uh, a new kind of uh, fringe politician drumming up a lot of... Um, a lot of uh, tension and hatred against mm. anyone with superheroes and any aliens, sorry, a- any aliens that are calling for the, the heads of Captain Marvel, the original Captain Marvel, the Kree warrior. Um, the Avengers get, the new Avengers get uh, browbeaten and disbanded by Cap, Iron Man, um, and, uh, and Hank Pym. And it's, a, it's an interesting, um, an interesting multi-layered kind of cold war that then shoots up and gets hot. The the Inhumans are involved as well as they have this strong connection to the the the, the, the Krees as they were originally created by the Kree to be their warrior cast and and on it goes and eventually the Avengers um uh, off they go into space to take part in this huge war taking along with them. Well, he gets kidnapped technically, but the uh, teenage sidekick Rick Jones uh, plays this pivotal role in this um bizarre battle was that you waiting for me to say rick jones no i i I absolutely don't want you to do i i I don't understand it i don't get it and i don't like it so no i don't want that to happen (laughs) but the way you said it i thought you were like wait going rick jones you know you like saying rick jones don't you nope nope don't like it at all nope (laughs) inside the damocles the avengers are taken down by an incredibly fast moving foe before being fired upon by more of kang's henchmen the Avengers fight back but are unable to defeat the super-powered guards, 
who also have the ability to freeze the Avengers in time momentarily. However, Hawkeye is able to stun the guards with a flashbang arrow. So that that's like so it wasn't a super fast foe, was it? A moment ago, that's what we. Oh, I thought it I was, thought it was. It, so it wasn't actually a time dilation thing. It was so it's just, the Avengers being frozen in time. Ah, uh, I just thought it was like, oh, is, is that a Quicksilver bloke? No. Nope. Never mind. <laughs> Outside, Iron Man struggles to find a way into the ship, but Janet comes up with an idea. Noticing some scarabs patrolling the Damocles, Wasp gets the robot's attention and tricks them into flying into the side of the spaceship, giving her and Iron Man a way in. Meanwhile, in a Damocles' bridge room, the Conqueror is angered to learn of the breaches in the ship, as well as the tide of the war for Earth turning. I liked uh, Janet's quirky sense of humour here. She's a fun character in this. Uh, is this what Wasp- yeah, is, is this what Wasp is like in the comics? Um, some yeah, the, th- the like the thrill-seeking aspect, yeah, uh, which you get of her, and some of the fun. Yeah, she is kind of fun. Um, like so, she's generally. Bo- I mean, she's bored at being. Uh, <laughs> she's bored of like science stuff, and she wants the superheroic. She wants to be in there and doing cool superhero things. Um, and the 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 sense of humor a little bit as well comic book janet has always got an insult and a jibe and stuff mm. um but yeah she is tr- she is brilliant in this cartoon um in in those early episodes that we looked at the first 3 or 4 she's designed to be the glue that holds the team together she's always there encouraging friendship and 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 understands that it's really important for the world to have for them to be a team to get to like she gets it in a way that the rest of them they're so wrapped up in their own like egos or in their own drives and stuff they don't get it jan absolutely gets it um and she fights for the team to be a team like she's really yeah she's she's the most passionate member of the of the group um i think she doesn't really have that role in the comics um but kind of but but I mean, symbolically, I think um, I, I mentioned in in, in the last time we looked at this because she Janet is the character that that comes up with the name the Avengers. Um, that's kind of what she her big contribution at the end of the the first issue of the Avengers. So symbolically, she's mm. quite an important, quite an important, and she's you know one of the founders. So yeah, excellent. Hank Pym briefs the team on their attack plan. They need to destroy the the ship's time drive. Then the war is over. Using an Ultron robot to scan for tachyon particles, the Avengers head towards the location of the time drive. While flying through the ship's air vent, the Wasp is sucked through a duct and comes face to face with the frozen body of Kang's wife, Princess Ravona, who is dying due to the destruction of her timeline. But just that second, Janet is ambushed by the Damocles' crew. Finding and attacking the time drive shield, the Avengers are set upon by scarabs, but even with the help of one of the last remaining Ultron robots, they are outnumbered against the robots. Just as the Scarabs close in for the kill, Kang enters and demands them to step down, telling the Avengers, You came to fight me. Here I am. I felt that was kind of like a nod to this weird code of honour he has as a Wardlord of like yeah. wanting to fight people one-on-one and stuff. Like, like taking off his belt, going, yeah, <laughs> come fight me. Ah. Hey, this was America. Hey, this America. <laughs> wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about some drunk guy in the pub, but that works as well. This was America. So, 
Princess Ravona, what can you tell us about her? Is she from the Marvel Comics or just a character they've invented here? She is the Marvel Comics. Um, we, we touched on her when we looked at Loki. Um, ah. Uh, Princess Ravona Lexus Renslayer is Kang's mm, true love slash toxic true love slash toxic relationship. Um, so in the in the 40th century, Ravona is the daughter of this king. Um, and Kang is trying to what's called annex her error into his into his empire like the whole timeline the whole like 40 the 40th century as ruled over by king uh what's his name king uh corn Cor- not corny Cor- corleus corneas something like that anyway ravona's dad um mm. and so she first meets kang when he's attempting to uh basically absorb this error and this this empire into his empire um and he's for some reason he's trying to do it bloodlessly um and he immediately falls for ravona she hates him due to his attempt to <laughs> conquer her entire kingdom um and then the kingdom is threatened by dirty rebels um and kang kind of lets it he basically hopes that this this rebellion that he lets happen will help him win her hand in 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 marriage um but uh, eventually outright rebellion breaks out and kang's on the verge of winning this battle um to uh to conquer the whole thing and then he brings the avengers um like he <laughs> he's about to win he's about to win and conquer the whole land and so he travels through time kidnaps the avengers and brings them there just to watch Ooh. just to witness his triumph because Kang is a dick. <laughs> um, so he 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 hopes to like defeat the rebels and then marry Ravona, and um, yeah, his his uh, one of his generals, um, Baltag, rebels against Kang um, because Kang refuses. Once he conquers all these people, he refuses to execute Ravona. As he had done the rulers of all the other kingdoms that he's conquered, um, so uh, he he refuses to do that, and Baltag rebels against him and leads a rebellion within Kang's own army to overthrow Kang, and he has the numbers to do it as well. So mm. Kang then goes, "Hey, Avengers, kind of need your help now," um, <laughs> and um, yeah, with the help of the Avengers, um, he. Uh, he he defeats the cruel Baltag. He releases Ravona from her dungeon, um, and uh, and they kind of they Baltag. They are about to get together, and Baltag tries to shoot Kang dead. After Kang has sent the Avengers back in time, and Ravona, realizing that she has always loved Kang, really throws herself in front of the uh, the energy blast. Uh, and takes the takes the bullet for Kang basically, and um, doesn't quite die, but is in this coma. Um, she's like on the brink of death, and Kang preserves it in in stasis. Um, mm. And then he's always like his motivation then becomes seeking a way to defeat death itself, f- so he can free Ravona from this this period of of time stasis and become his queen. Um, he plays a, a a cosmic game with the Grand Master. When we talked about the Grand Master in one of our other episodes, you did. Um, we did. 
he, he, he takes them on in a tournament of champions, pitting <laughs> the Avengers against the Squadron Supreme, who, uh, I think, were these the bad ones? I think they are. They're the evil version of the Justice League from a different world. Um, and, uh, yeah, in the Kang, like, partially wins. Um, mm. but he has, he, he is, has the power to free Ravona from stasis, but he's so consumed by rage at not fully winning, he later chooses to, he, he uses that power to try and kill the Avengers instead. Um, and then there's, uh, all different versions of Kang all trying to kill each other at different points in the timeline in order to make sure there is only ever one Kang, the prime Kang. Um, <laughs> And one of these Kangs has a version of Ravona at his side, who is not is no longer in status, and that drives all the other Kangs nuts. They are just like, no, either like we one of us can't have her unless we all have her. Um, and then a Mortis gets involved. Um, because uh, he's just he's so weary of all of this, and he's joined forces with these people called the Timekeepers to preserve the timeline. And he's like, "There's too many Kangs, stop <laughs> killing each other." Um, at one point, Kang dies, mm. and Ravona is revived, and then she brings him back to life just so he can stab him through the heart because she's <laughs> sick of him. And then uh, she does bring him back to life fully and they become lovers and they leave each other it's, it is messy they are Ooh. a toxic couple that is toxic all right fighting a futile fight against the conqueror captain america and an ultron robot are the last ones left standing and caught in kang's grasp cap proposes working with kang but the conqueror says that the only solution is conquest just then, Iron Man enters the room and instantly takes down Kang with a chest blast, much to the Conqueror's shock. Stark has hacked Kang's future tech and added it to his suit. He instantly takes down the Scarabs and tells the Avengers that they're not going to destroy the time drive, they're going to use it. It's Tony Stark versus Kang. Is there a connection between these two characters in the comics? I forgot we were going to do this. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes, let's go back to the 90s. And literally, <laughs> the worst thing that has ever happened to Iron Man and the worst story. So, there's a big comic book storyline, uh, Avengers storyline called The Crossing. And The Crossing takes place all over all the Avengers comic books. So, not just the Avengers... The, the Avengers monthly comic book, but all the individual comics of all mm. the people that are Avengers as well. And in this storyline, The Crossing, um, the Avengers have a mystery traitor on the team who murders three people, three members of the civilian members of the Avengers supporting cast, murders them to protect their secret of who they are. And the traitor is revealed to be Tony Stark. Ooh. And it's not a trick. It just 100% definitely happened. And this story reveals that ever since Avengers issue 8, when Tony Stark first fought Kang the Conqueror, Tony Stark was brainwashed when he was in captivity and has become the brainwashed thrall, the spy, the slave of Kang ever since they first fought each other. So he's been a double agent for Kang for 30 years. 
Um, the, 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 they, they really wanted to go like for utter corruption in this to really turn you against Tony Stark. They wanted to go for absolute and complete betrayal. Wow. Um, this was the era, the 90s, of Spider Man being revealed to be a clone his whole life. So he's essentially replaced by a younger, less complicated version of Spider Man. It's the era of um, Green Lantern being revealed to be an evil monster. So he's killed off and replaced by a younger, cooler version of Green Lantern. A similar thing happens with uh, Batman and Superman. So it's <laughs> yeah, in that yeah. vein. In the 90s, they decided to do exactly the same thing. Let's get rid of Tony Stark, this middle-aged alcoholic, <laughs> and reboot the entire character. So in order to stop Kang and evil Iron Man, the Avengers travel back in time and recruit teenage Tony Stark. <laughs> Which sounds like it should be the star of his own cartoon series. Yeah. Teen Tony, Teen Iron Man, Iron Teen. So they 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 recruit Teen Tony Stark from before Kang started to manipulate him. Um, in in battle, old Tony Stark dies, fully dead, and teenage Tony Stark stays alive, living in the future, and takes over the company and takes over as Iron Man. Um, and that was the status quo in the 90s. Um, and it was absolutely despised. And it was, <laughs> and it was not just, it was not just the intent and the, and the execution as well, but there were a lot of like, because there's, there was like half a dozen ed different editorial teams involved mm. in this story because it, it played out over like six or seven different comic books with six or seven different writers and six or seven different editors. There were tons of like mistakes and contradictions in it. Oh, no. um, it's one of the most awful and convoluted Marvel stories ever concocted. Um, it's a it's a real mess. It it's the it really is a distillation of nineties mistakes in comic books. It did not last very long, um, which might have been why it was done. Because it, maybe not. About a year or so later, Marvel removed all of the Avengers. And the Fantastic Four, Hulk, Iron Man, all of them from the main Marvel Universe. Killed them off and handed them over to a completely different comic book studio to be relaunched in their own separate universe. Wow. Um, and then when they brought all those characters back about a year later, they just never mentioned Teenage Tony Stark ever again. <laughs> um, I think the idea was... The version of Tony Stark that returned was teenage Tony Stark and adult Tony Stark, I don't know, merged together or something. But they literally don't talk about it. It's wow. like it, it, bringing it up would be like bringing up an X. Like Marvel would just not want to do it. <laughs> wow. So, Iron Man orders Jarvis and the Ultron robots to access the Damocles computer systems. Iron Man is able to deactivate the time sh the time drive shield, but Kang starts fighting back, forcing Cap and Iron Man to defend themselves. As they fight, the Ultron robot tells Iron Man that the time jump to send Kang back is ready in five seconds, but the countdown is interrupted by the Wasp standing next to Kang's crew. Janet tells the Avengers that if they destroy the time drive, 
Princess Ravona will die, the woman that Kang loves. Knowing Kang's emotional weakness, the Wasp proposes that they can help cure the princess, but Kang refuses to stand down and is instantly knocked down by Cap. The battle is over. Good conclusion to the battle. Yeah, it's it's like it proved both... You know, it all started with Cap versus Iron Man. Yeah. Um, futurist versus old-fashioned. And in the end, it takes both. Yeah. It takes uh, Tony Stark using future stuff to take out the tech and then a punch on the jaw from Captain Apple Pie. <laughs> <laughs> so in the original stories, how do Avengers defeat Kang the first You're gonna time? They... You're oh, going to no. love this. Oh, no. How ridiculous are we getting now? So Kang beats all of the Avengers easily, holds mm. them all prisoner, and holds the entire world to ransom, and the world is essentially about to just give him everything because they went, <laughs> he beat the Avengers, and there's only about seven superheroes in existence in 1963. Um, but luckily, do you know who Kang hasn't thought about? Who? Teen sidekick Rick Jones. <laughs> Rick Jones, who's not an Avenger and has no powers, but he does have a moped. He gets all the other cool teens in the neighbourhood to band together, and they go marching up to Kang's spaceship, and they say... This man, this place is full of uncool cats. The only future we've got is if we work with you. So he just says, yeah, all right, come inside my secret base. <laughs> and he lets them work for him. And Rick Jones is like, come on, guys, we've got to cause a distraction. And he's like, all of you just get to work. Move some of those vials of dangerous stuff around. And Rick Jones is like, oh, I'm such a Butterfingers klutz. And he drops one. <laughs> and this, like, apparently very important gas comes spewing out the top. And Kang goes, oh, God, what have you done, you meddling kids? And he goes over and he's like, I've got to spend about three minutes just fixing this gas bottle. <laughs> None of you do anything. <laughs> and Rick Jones is like, that's what I've been waiting for, Daddy-o. And he just starts pressing buttons. And eventually, luckily, manages to hit the buttons that release the Avengers. <laughs> it was shockingly easy for cool kid Rick Jones to defeat Kang. Um, and there's nobody else on that ship. That's the other thing. Again, I think there's a budget issue. Kang cannot afford manned staff when he goes back in time. It's just Kang on his own. So when these teenagers say, we'd love to be slaves, slave labour, that'd be right up our street. He's like, great, come, in, come inside. Um, meanwhile, oh man, the wasp, uh, who's also been overlooked because she's a female, she Ooh. flies to Hank Pym's lab and retrieves a secret weapon. The audience does not know what it is. Right. Pym, Hank Pym himself calls it the one thing that could stop Kang. Ooh. And he gets it and he fires it at Kang. And it's acid. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Giant man throws acid in Kang's face. Wait, he wait, just wait. throws it's, a bunch of acid at him. It's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not like a time acid or, or no, something. No, it's just acid. God, this is like some yeah. kind of horrible, horrible drive-by in Hackney or something when they just throw acid at someone's face. And the acid melts his circuits and his armour, oh. and he goes, "Ah, you've thrown acid at me, my one weakness." <laughs> and so he, he, you know, teleports back to the future because <laughs> of the acid. 
That's terrible. <laughs> you That's think really... it's going to be some amazing sci-fi, you know, it's going to play on something earlier in the plot. Nope, Stan Lee just goes acid in the face. That'll do acid. You. Yeah. It's the, honestly, when I reread it uh, for this episode, I could not stop laughing. <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> acid. <sighs> right. As morning breaks, Thor wakes up in hospital. At the Avengers mansion, with the help of Reed Richards, Hank Pym studies the body of Princess Ravona in search for a cure. Meanwhile, on the other side of the room, the last remaining Ultron robot's eyes light up in a menacing red tone. At the prison station in the negative zone, Tony thanks Cap for stepping up when he needed help, but from his prison cell, Kang tells the two Avengers that they have destroyed everything and the worst is yet to come. What is awesome about this is that, like, like it's not it's it's not done. This story carries on. The thing Kang is warning them about keeps coming back as a thing that is probably going to happen, and Kang is the only one that knows about. And and it's just like, yeah, they've won the day by beating Kang, but Kang is like, yeah, but I'm the good guy. I'm trying to save the world, and you've stopped me. So you've doomed your Earth. This series, man, it's so cool. Well, there we go. We've taken our first look, Will, at Kang the Conqueror, his twisted timeline and history, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to know what your favourite kind of bit of trivia that you've uh, picked up from <laughs> this episode. Well, I, I- um, how can I get past acid in the face? <laughs> That's just hilarious. Um, I, I so, like that he turns out he's uh, he's actually the Reed Richards descendant. Yeah, the whole thing of him being uh, just going back at him being a retcon in itself, I think is. I don't know. It just seems like that's so true to his character. Of course, he's going to be a retcon. He's a time traveler. Of course, he'd retcon himself. Very apt. Very, very cool. That is so. That is meta beyond belief. But no, no, I'm going to go with acid in the face. <laughs> acid and in the face. Would love to know your final <laughs> thoughts then on this Kang trilogy from Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Well, what can I say? It's another top-notch Marvel cartoon that deals with a multi-episode saga brilliantly kang is presented as almost unstoppable without it being too ridiculous the story is almost up there with as, a, as a, for, for an mcu film it's it's at that good standard the interactions between the heroes work so well for a cartoon as well and again i'm not just saying this i really want to watch this show in its entirety well, thank you for that, Will. Um, we hope you've uh, joined, uh, enjoyed uh, joining us on this quest through time with Kang the Conqueror. A reading list, and please, as we always say, try not to use Amazon because they um, don't uh, pay or contribute fully to the comic book industry. Try and find yourself a comic book shop in your area. You can buy a bricks and mortar store that you can go to. A quick Google search will reveal them. If not, you can find uh, shops online that will deliver to you. Um, they're much, much better for the comic book industry. You can you know, pay by PayPal or securely, and you can get them delivered to your front door. You might have to wait a couple of days later than Amazon Prime, but it's a small price to pay to keep comic books circulating. Um, the reading list, yes, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> um, there's some very cool ones out there. I think the, 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 the great collection that's come out recently called Kang, The Once and Future Conqueror. And it's a collection of Kang stories 
right from the very start in the 60s, uh, Ram, the Ramatut stuff and Kang's first place, all the way through to the modern era, where there's a really great one shot, one single issue story called Timeless in it, which is a really great Kang story. So it's got a mix of some of the original stuff, um, but also some really, really modern, cool stories. Um, check out Young Avengers Volume 1 Sidekicks um, That's a very cool Kang story um, He comes in uh, towards the end as the uh, the character He's He is the villain that is being avoided by uh, one of the Young Avengers That's very cool um, And I can't recommend Kang Dynasty enough um, That's a very cool story Kang goes to war with the Avengers and the entire world um, Great artwork from uh, Mark, Mark Davis, Alan Farmer um, And it's just... Uh, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a great great story that we're looking at in depth on patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel look if you guys are not in a position to financially contribute and help support the show there are other ways that you can help us out tell your friends recommend us to people that you know love marvel tweet about us share us on twitter on facebook share the new episodes give us a follow at marvel versus Get the word out there, share, make sure you're giving us a five-star review on whatever platform you're looking on. Leaving cool reviews really, really helps the podcast out. If you can leave something, you know, a great a great couple of words about how much you loved this episode, this podcast, that helps us out as well. Helps us reach more people, get onto more top ten lists. That's always cool. Our next episode, our next deep dive, I should say, is going to be into the dark, gritty world of the MCU Daredevil series, the one that first aired on Netflix. That's our next deep dive. For more bonus content, head over to patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel. Marvel vs. Marvel was researched, written, and performed by Rob Holden and Will Preston. The show is produced by Will Preston. And our theme song was composed and performed by Dan Walsh. Head to patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel for awesome bonus content. Marvel versus Marvel.